Hello and welcome to A Cup of Atmospheric Science with me, Eric Saboya. Well, it's our first episode and I know what you're thinking. Why do we need another podcast in the world? Surely everything worth saying is being said. Am I simply missing my short tenure as a student radio DJ? Well, yes, but actually I think I might have spotted a gap in this enormous podcast market. Somewhere in between the true crime shows and the political podcasts, I think I might have found something that no one's talking about. Now, it might be a good reason why no one's talking about it. Maybe it's just completely dull and only I'm finding it interesting, um, which unfortunately says a lot about me. But let me pitch it to you anyway. Here's my USP, as it were. And I think it also serves as a nice way to introduce myself a little bit, tell you a little bit more about myself. So I work as a postdoctoral atmospheric scientist. I'm fresh out of my PhD. So for those of you perhaps a little bit less familiar with the academic system, a postdoctoral position is kind of the next rung up of the academic ladder after completing a PhD. It's not, as the New York Times mistakenly published a few weeks ago, another qualification. You're not a student anymore. Hopefully it says on your university ID, staff. It really is just an early career position for those who want to stay on in academia for the time being. Anyway, in my postdoc, as they're abbreviated to, I'm developing atmospheric models to try and understand emissions and sources of greenhouse gases. And this is sort of similar work to what I was doing during my PhD. And, you know, you would like to think, and I like to think as well, up to now, we do have a reasonable understanding of different greenhouse gases, their emissions, their sources. But one big problem is that there are absolutely hundreds of these different greenhouse gases, particularly if you start looking at the fluorinated substances or the sort of CFCs and HFCs you may have heard about, um, these ozone-depleting substances. Technically, yeah, they're technically more ozone-depleting substances. Some of them are also greenhouse gases, but that can be a topic for another episode. But anyway, this kind of field I'm working in is very much dealing with very sort of real-time data, and by real-time I use this very loosely, sort of within maybe the last 10, 20 years, maybe longer, um, and using these sort of measurements from, you know, of different greenhouse gases, it could be carbon dioxide, it could be methane, it could be nitrous oxide, it could be any of these gases, and using atmospheric measurements of these from around the world, to evaluate what is being reported by governments to the United Nations. So this is part of the, I knew which one is it? I think it's part of the United Nations, yes, it's the United Nations Framework on the Committee of Climate Change. I promise I didn't Google that one. I think that's right off the top of my head. Um, if it's wrong, you'll know I didn't Google it. <laughs> um, so back in 1990, I believe, or, or at least around 1990, most countries in the United Nations, perhaps more, signed up to agree to report their national inventory totals um, and sort of broken down by source on a sort of biannual basis, I believe, so every other year. Here in the UK, uh, where I'm based, we report our emissions every year. But of course, there is this sort of big question over, you know, how accurate are these emissions that we're reporting? Who's verifying these values? 
Um, and this is where the measurements come in. And this is kind of what I mean by real time sort of data. So we're using these sort of measurements to kind of evaluate what these emissions are being reported. And that's kind of the crux of what we do. And along the way within that kind of aim, there are sort of different approaches and different methods that we hope to sort of make sure are all coherent and give at least kind of similar answers. So I think this actually differs quite a bit from what I would call climate science. What I'm doing, I think, is more atmospheric science, where climate science, I think, is kind of dealing on much vaster timescales, both in the past and in the future, and kind of considering much bigger picture stuff. This is much more, I think, involved in, you know, what's happening in, you know, in closer timescales. You know, I keep saying it real time <laughs> almost, but it's very much, I think, our results do have some sort of, um, at least can have some sort of place in the world of policy making and emissions mitigation. And actually, I've been involved in some projects and some of my work has been used um, towards hopefully developing some mitigation policies. Again, perhaps something for a different episode. So I think this is where it gets quite interesting. So I'm kind of working. I hate I don't want to say frontline. That's a terrible way of describing it because it makes it sounds like it's a real battle and you're fighting for your lives, which one could argue to an extent we are with climate change, but it's it's not quite not quite like that is it so here's where i think this podcast comes in i think it's kind of interesting to hear and maybe find out more about these sort of day-to-day occurrences these sort of projects that are going on in the background what atmospheric scientists are working on towards improving our inventories and how we work with policymakers so some of the as i mentioned these big projects before we have collaborated with you know civil servants from the department for business energy and industrial strategy or bays um, and defra the department for environment food and rural affairs so they are closely linked and i think within both these departments there are individuals who are very very keen on closing a lot of these emission gaps and particularly trying to reach our net zero targets and our 2030 targets um, in fact, I had actually a very interesting conversation a, a few months ago with, I think it was a gentleman from Bayes, talking about the the lack of concern or the lack of kind of, de- not devotion, but the lack of sort of energy being put in towards these last, what are these, you know, these sort of last emission targets that we will have to face. So there's a lot of low hanging fruit that we would be able to get rid of quite easily in terms of emissions. So, for example, methane's a great example um, for this sort of stuff because, you know, there are lots of sort of, say, natural gas pipe leaks in older cities. You know, this tends to happen, you know, like Paris, Boston in America, London. And, you know, a quite easy fix would be to locate these uh, sources of leaks and then sort of plug them up. And there you are, there's less methane going into the atmosphere. Sort of next level one would as well maybe be like considering or trying to persuade people to eat less meat. Um, not, you know, specifically, let's say, 
beef because of course cows are enormous sources of uh, agricultural methane um, but then also within this agricultural sector you're also getting emissions from nitrous oxide um, more methane coming from manure management um, huge problems with water and deforestation all kind of linked around this industry and that's a much harder challenge i think than simply plugging up pipe leaks but the point is whilst some of these plans are in place these low-hanging fruit as they're called these easy sources that you can mitigate what about those last ones those last stragglers that are going to stop us from getting to net zero by 2050 how do we deal with those and this doesn't seem to be anything people are talking about I guess perhaps because, well, well, here it is. I guess we're, we're seven years away from 2030 and we've got a load of these climate targets in. And we're not the only ones. All countries around the world globally have signed up and pledged to meet these 2030 targets. And I think, not to be the gloomy Gus in all this, I really don't think we're going to meet them and not meet them well. Because pretty much every target up until now, there are... I don't know, it's hard to say, isn't it, if we've met them or not. Again, this kind of goes back to this ambiguity of, you know, the emissions we report versus the emissions that are inferred from our measurements. The differences in those and, you know, they might tell slightly different stories depending where you are. But let me put it this way. So I'm a big fan of the sustainable development goals. So for those of you who maybe not so familiar these are a sort of collection of 17 objectives put forth by the united nations um which kind of serve as they describe it a sort of blueprint for peace and prosperity for people and the planet now and into the future and they were sort of established in 2015 um, and a lot of these have targets for 2030 so some of these sustainable development goals include sort of ending poverty in all forms, uh, ending hunger and achieving food security. Again, that's a huge issue. And that's some, that food security is something that genuinely keeps me awake at night, out of worry. Um, and then, of course, we have goal, you know, goal 13, lucky number 13, take urgent action to combat climate change and its impacts. And there was a, goal, there was a report out um, towards the end of last year kind of summarizing the progress where we are with all these um goals and honestly it's 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 absolutely heartbreaking to read this because pretty much on all these goals we are not going to meet 2030 targets um unfortunately the covid-19 pandemic took care of that and undone a lot of work um that was going towards and it really seems like it's going to be a worry getting to these 2030 targets and, you know, maybe by, I don't know, some grace of God, we will manage it. But it's, yeah, it's going to be tough. So here's what I'm proposing I do with this podcast. Um, this long tangent, as it were, coming background. Here's what I'm proposing is that this podcast kind of serves as an interaction between you guys, the listeners, and me kind of reporting what's going on in the this world. I'm kind of immersed in this world of atmospheric science with the occasional, you know, talkings with policymakers and 
decision makers and so on and kind of keeping you up to date with what's going on out there what research is happening what interesting things are going on I know I kept thinking to myself towards the end of last year I should have started this sooner because there were so many interesting things to have been talking about Um, there was the you know the Nord 2 explosion because lots of atmospheric scientists scientists got very excited because there are a lot of atmospheric measurement stations in northwest Europe and some people were convinced that they could see sort of the plume of emissions coming from the Nord 2 um, pipeline burst, explosion burst, um, traversing across northwest Europe and seeing this sort of peak propagating across. Um, and yeah, there might be some stuff coming out about that. There was also the um, volcano explosion at Mauna Loa, which... Um, So this is where some of the very first carbon dioxide measurements of the atmosphere were made back in the 50s by the legendary Charles Keeling, um, who started this whole long-term program that's been going ever since. And this is the second time Mauna Loa has, uh, there's been an eruption on that island that has disrupted measurements, but hopefully not for too long. They might be back up and running. That can be, be I think, another episode at some point, a little bit about the history of those measurements so this is the thing this is kind of where i'm aiming at is perhaps a combination of some sort of atmospheric science and history what's going on what's happening now what's going out there in the world what are we doing and maybe some of the sort of interesting things that i'm getting involved with so i know in a couple of weeks time i'm off to the university of utrecht as part of a kickoff meeting for a new big sort of collaborative project to understand emissions of various greenhouse gases across Europe. So I was closely linked on a similar project, but only focused on the UK, this uh, detection and attribution of regional emissions, or DARE UK as it was abbreviated. And this is almost in many ways a sort of expansion of this, but across Europe and which is, you know, absolutely remarkable that something like this is still able to happen, you know, given the, you know, Brexit, which kind of did screw up a lot of these kind of international collaborations, particularly with Europe. Um, But, yeah, so, I mean, that's something I'd be very excited to come back and report on um, in a few weeks' time and sort of give an outlook on what's going on with that and some of the exciting work that's going on. yeah so really so i want these to kind of be brief maybe 15 20 minute episodes episodes can't call them episodes no Mm, what do you call podcasts but it's a bit like a vlog without the videos a plog no we're not calling these plogs definitely not calling them a plog that sounds something horrible sounds like a tool you might use to um, unblock your sink um hopefully this rather tangential introduction gives some idea of what I want to do with this podcast and where we're going to go. So I think next episode will be me reporting back from this trip to the University of Utrecht for this kickoff meeting and talking a little bit about this project. And then I think in between I will try and talk about you know, different weeks and stuff, perhaps what's going on in the field, um, 
in terms of measurements, in terms of emissions, perhaps some of the interesting historical um, stories involved in this field. For example, the brilliant, brilliant work um, done by Charles Keeling in the 1950s that I alluded to before. So, yeah, my incoherent rambling over. So if you have managed to make it this far to the end and have put up with me rambling for 15 maybe even 20 minutes. I'm not sure how this is going to cut down in the edit. Um, Thank you so much. And I really appreciate it. And I hope these are going to get more streamlined and better quality as I progress. So thank you very much for listening. And I will catch you on the next one. Goodbye.